0: You all, it's your boy, but you know what? It's Sumuchacho Tommy D, your boy. That's how you say it in Espanol. Yes, I googled how to say your boy in Spanish a couple seconds ago. Sumuchacho Tommy D, your guy, the nonprofit sector connector. Coming at you as I do every single Friday. Radio voice coming through Tommy D. I feel it every single Friday. I bring you a leader of a nonprofit organization, I make the journey from the kitchen two flights up the stairs to the attic. I spend much of my time here in the attic. It gets lonely here. I'm so lonely. It's nice when I have friends visit me in the attic. I feel like Mr. Rogers today. I, I don't know what it is. It's, it's. Um. I feel like I'm gonna sing. Uh, I probably will sing. We're gonna talk about film today. What is this program about? It's called Philanthropy in Focus. And every single week, I bring through a leader of a nonprofit organization to do a couple of things, help them tell their story and amplify their message. Alex Kaplan is all about telling stories his organization of substance is all about telling stories so before we even get into this conversation we're going to actually just going to be like show and tell today we're going to watch a video but of substance is an innovative nonprofit that makes premium entertaining short films to help us overcome the shame blame and stigma we experience in our struggles. Second episode ever of Philanthropy and Focus, Dr. Larry Grubler came on this program and said, you know, Tommy D, we all need support sometimes. He runs an organization called Transitional Services for New York, serving 4,000 individuals with mental health issues each and every year. The mental health conversation, we need to end the stigma. Enough of this. I don't curse on the show, but that's BS. This is If I broke my arm, nobody's going to look down on me when I go to seek Healthcare, medical services because I broke my arm, if I'm having mental health issues, we need to stop the crap, we need to stop, we need to hug, we need to love each other, we need to find compassion. And it's organizations like Alex's that are having these conversations that are bringing this stuff, but that that are bringing these topics to discussion. And I think, you know, it is, I, I can't even say it's still pandemic. I mean, it's August of 2022. But I think that the, one of the, if you will, silver linings of this era is that we're more aware of the mental health crisis. We're more aware that we need help. We need support. Listen to this statistic right off of the website of substance.org. Teen suicide attempts, uh, uh, rates, and drug overdose deaths. Just two examples of emotionally charged forms of self-destruction are in a dramatic upward trajectory. Well, that's that's okay. How about some facts and figures? Okay, so I'll give you some girls between the ages of 12 and 17 at suicide attempts have increased by 26 percent or did increase by 26 during the summer of 2020 young girls our children our babies 12 to 17 years old and in the winter of 2021 these rates increased by 50 percent people are screaming for help people are saying we need help we need to help each other out i feel the soapbox i'm here hashtag and the freaking stigma. Alex, I'm fired up. I didn't know I was going to be this fired up. I'm feeling it. It's coming through me. The universe is speaking through me. I I want to say hello. And then I want to read a little bit about your background. But this is your story. This is the story of the organization. So two things I like to say at this point in the program. Welcome to the show. And welcome to my attic, baby. What's going on?
1: Thanks, Tommy. What's up, man? It's a lovely attic. I wouldn't know it was an attic if you didn't keep telling me it was an attic.
0: Know it, it, this was like a thing that I started in like March of uh of 2020, and I was like, Yeah, I'm in the attic, I'm in the attic. Anytime sees me not in the attic, anytime people see me, they go, Dude, you're not in the attic, is everything okay? <laughs> but I also love that, you know, like I,
1: I think that you know, uh, we're all trying to hide so many things just because we think that like we have to put on a show. And, you know, we, like, newscasters are in, like, you know, suits while we're doing Zoom newscasting during COVID. And, like, everybody's getting called out on wearing shorts or just underwear. Right. And it's just all of this, this facade and this appearance, and we're all looped into this. So the fact that, Tommy, you just said how it is, you're super vulnerable, you're honest all the time, and you're just like, I'm in my attic, and I don't I don't give, you know. That's amazing. Man.
0: I, I, well, thank you, brother. I appreciate it. I, I'll tell you a funny, funny story. Maybe we'll do a couple funny stories today. Yesterday, I'm in the attic all day, first time I put on a shirt and tie, I was talking to another nonprofit organization, some of their leadership uh, organization called I empathize, which is working on the human trafficking issue. And they have some connections out in LA. So I do want to make a connection because I think they they make films as well. So we're not going to get caught up on that. But I, I told the three folks I was meeting with, I was like, I haven't worn a shirt and tie. It's been super hot in New York. I said, I haven't worn a shirt and tie in like three weeks a month. So I did wear a shirt and tie. But- <laughs> the real story i had on flannel pajama pants right so last night i had to go out to meet some folks and i was like there's no way i'm going to put on dress pants now i haven't worn dress pants all day so i had on a nice button up short sleeve and some shorts my dressy shorts my seven year old would say "Dad, those are those dressy shorts yeah they're dressy. they're <laughs> I don't know if I could play on the golf course with them if they're that dressy, but but look, um, I, I think that's what we're supposed to be. I think we're supposed to be open and vulnerable and real. And, you know, uh, I realize, you know, all this stuff I talk about mental health is because I have my own issues right on because we all do. That's the point, everybody. And if we stop trying to cover these things up or shield ourselves and just ask for the help we need, I think we're going to be better off. And not only that, we got to check in on people. Go ahead, Alex, please.
1: No, if I may, I think that's a perfect segue to let you guys know kind of what I do and what we do at Up Substance. Because, uh, so I'm sober myself, and, uh, and the biggest thing I learned in getting sober is that my issue is far less about using substances than it is about why I use substances. And it's about shame, it's about a fear of not belonging, and it's about a fear of not being good enough, none of which is unique to addiction, all of which is just part of being a person and we we all struggle with these feelings of just like inadequacy, these insecurities, right, and we 're all coping that's but that 's just part of the human condition, right but we 're all just coping with it differently. Some of us are control freaks or we 're workaholics or we 're addicted to making money or or we 're just like or we use drugs and alcohol to run away, and so like what well, we 're doing out of substances we 're shining a light instead of on what makes us different, what makes us the same we 're celebrating our common humanity while also just uh, empowering people through what makes us unique. And we're doing that through movies. So uh, I couldn't be more more in line with you, dude.
0: Yeah, man, and it, it's funny. Like if, you were, if you're watching on Facebook, you see this cool looking guy, and I don't mean me, although yeah, I'm cool too. But look at this guy, sharp dude, right? Like probably got everything together. He's got all his stuff together, right? <laughs> look at that face um I mean because that's the thing because I I don't think anybody has it, their stuff and I tr- we try not it was so good you asked me the other day you're like do we curse on the show do we not I mean I try not to but the word I'm leaving out is for stuff I'll say the point I'm trying to make is look I I too have not had a drink of alcohol in September will be uh 12 years which is an incredible feat thank you brother fist bump. I mean and, and you know why did i drink well i i like to drink i enjoy drinking but in retrospect as a 44 year old man looking back at what that was in my 20s into my early 30s 32 when i stopped it was covering up stuff man it was pain it was covering up pain it was covering up shame and as many of us who you know have drank and i i am outgoing and this is the personality this is pretty much who you get no matter what uh, i will tell you um even I know people utilize alcohol or other drugs to feel more comfortable in social settings right and that's like I got to go out I got to do this business thing I got to network and and sometimes or oftentimes I'll say that leads to problem drinking Uh, look if somebody can manage their drinking or even their other uh, substance use I, I I'm not here to judge I'm just here to say that if it is to cover up the pain and the shame and the fear of not belonging um that's an underlying as you say that's the human condition that's what we're all living through um I I was just listening to something uh Joe Rogan had a guy on his show called Sam Tripoli and I was listening to that show yesterday and this guy Sam Tripoli I don't know him currently he's a comedian and like an influencer guy and I was listening to them talk about it was you know if you if you're familiar with the Joe Rogan podcast Alex and everybody listening it's like a three hour you know it's like a journey that they go down And one of the things that came up was like, and I say this all the time, and I heard myself saying this earlier this week, where there's a situation where the powers that be, whatever they are, but the small group, I think that runs the world, don't get me going, but it makes sense for them, for us all to be at odds. The rest of us, the world world. don't (laughs) get me going, but it's all good. I like hearing my voice. It's all good. Um, you're raising your hand? I see we're good. (laughs) Um, the, uh, you know those people who are at the top, right? Don't get me again, like the Bilderbergers and the whole thing. If there's so so many people at the top that run, or the small group that runs the world, as I see it, I say they they need us fighting, and they need us being at odds, and they need us having different perspectives. And these fake lines between countries and separate—how do we separate? And I I don't I was I was visiting with some friends of mine up in the Poconos last week. And one of my friends walked up with a Philadelphia Eagles hat on. And not to make this overkill, but I even thought there, and I'm a New York guy, I don't care if he likes the Eagles, he's a buddy of mine. I like him, right? Like, But even those factions, the more and more factions and separations that there are, the further apart we get from each other, right? Whereas the guy Sam Tripoli on Joe's show the other night just made this comment and said, we have so much more in common than we don't have in common. Like he was referring, he was talking about a story, how he had been in China and how uh, he'd been performing in China and how great the people were. And they were wonderful people and they were so caring towards him and they appreciated what he was doing there. And, you know, we're made to believe that people in different parts, different factions, different countries, different races, ethnicities, et cetera, et cetera, are, 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 are different, but we're not alex i'm I'm ranting but it's because i'm trying to get to we're all the same at the end of the day we have the same needs we have the same need for connection i mean i, I had on my uh my show a couple of weeks ago i did all the i think i might have told you this all the episodes were around veterans and i was talking to this oh, veterans nonprofits, and i was talking to a gentleman and i never met this man in person and i said at the end of the show man to man i was very emotional at the end of the show i said he goes you know All we need is to know that somebody loves us and i said i love you brother (laughs) and that was just because that's the stuff man like we need that what do you I, i i have some things about your story but we can get into it but what do you say to that just let's play there
1: no so that's uh of substance's mission literally is working toward creating a world where we all feel more seen heard and loved where you walk into every room knowing that you're already enough and we're doing that through movies and turning movies into a utilitarian tool to improve behavioral change, uh, emotional growth, and learning. And so uh, I couldn't agree more. And that's why we love movies, right? Is because, you know, movies are never about the circumstance they seem to be about. They're not about the Avengers fighting Thanos ever, right? They're actually about our universally relatable human experiences and journeys regarding- The hero's
0: journey like are we talking terrifying. like like the, the right. Joseph Campbell the hero's journey this kind of
1: stuff totally but but the reason the hero's journey is so relatable is because we're all on our own hero's journey the hero's journey is complication of uh, uh, like a uh, refusal to the call a call to action refusal to the call uh accepting the call first complication second complication third complication and then overcoming bringing home the sword the elixir and then the denouement but that's just happening over and over and over and over for all of us that's why it's so relatable is because life is just a series of conflicts and so it's really not about avoiding conflicts it's about learning to better and better improve the way we face them in our daily lives and that comes down to improving how we feel about ourselves others and our beliefs and what's possible. And that's what we're working on through
0: MODIS. Do you feel like, and we're gonna to go to break in a second, but do you feel like we're at a point in history, and maybe this is the only life we, you and I have known, but do you feel like we as a society, as a race, are at a point where we are really, are we really changing or do is it just people like us who feel that we're changing because we're in this type of work and in these types of conversations? Do you think we're waking up? Do you think we're becoming enlightened?
1: This is the question you asked as we have to go to break. Cool?
0: Yeah, no, just, I started,
1: We're just yes or no. And then you can... <laughs> yes, I do. I think we're in a constant state of evolution and change. It just doesn't look like perfect. You know, I honestly think that all change happens as a like huge pendulum swing. And so it's just we're trying perfect is in the center, but we're never really going to reach perfect. We keep going through center and it keeps going to a new extreme. But each time I'm hopeful that it loses a little momentum that and would, comes I mean, a little bit more to center as we better. learn a little bit more about ourselves. This is what we do as like individuals, but this is also what we're doing as a society. We're testing the bounds. We're testing the bounds. We're pushing. And so, yeah, I like to be a, an optimist and think I'll that we it. are I, I, doing. I that. It.
0: And I will say, we are going to go to a break. And I love how cutely you answered my question. <laughs> really, Tommy do you only ask me what What does life mean? Too? Why didn't you ask me that right before break? What, why are we here? All right, shout out to Suzanne Taylor King who somehow connected with alex and then connected alex and i and we spoke six seven months ago and now we're here so that's how that all worked we're gonna go to a break i'll tell you a little bit more i want to read your bio because i want to set the stage i want you to tell me your story how this thing happens how we get to of substance this show is philanthropy and focus we'll be back in 90 seconds quick break
2: You're listening to Talk Radio
0: NYC. Uplift, educate, empower.
4: Nonprofits need connections
3: to move in good directions. So cut through all the static
0: Join Tommy in his attic. <laughs> oh, man, Alex. I, you know, I see you dancing. I see you rocking out. Did you know the attic part was coming, man? Yeah, it's awesome. That is so great. Lean <laughs> in, man. Lean that, in. That it lean in. No kidding, man. That's my boy, my Uncle Brendan, as I call him. Why do I call him Uncle Brendan? Well, he's old enough to be my uncle. I tell him and I love him like family. They don't look anything like me. And uncles couldn't look like I don't want to call him my dad. He's only like nine years older than me. Uncle Brendan Levy queen's chamber of commerce and my buddy who actually uh he he's he has a band they had like a a record deal back in the 90s and they were called the goods the name of the band and now as older men they call themselves damaged goods so (laughs)
1: better name
0: (laughs) is that cool is that cool stuff so brendan and i wrote the lyrics as if you've ever listened to this show it was as i like to say it was like a Lennon and mccartney thing um you know and and uh you know, if that song ever makes any money, you know, it's going to be both of us just whack up the the seven dollars or whatever that song makes. You know, that's how that's how mm-hmm. it's going to go
1: cool i actually like uh i was in hawaii and i uh first time ever in hawaii i don't go to hawaii a lot, and it was amazing but like i'm always looking for great like sounds and water sounds and things like that and i just recorded a bunch of sounds like at creeks and the ocean in the morning at sunrise and different things and then i i figured out how to like make these tracks and put them on um on spotify and people are listening to them and it's yeah. really cool and so you're a
0: creator made right like seven bucks <laughs> oh and people somebody bought it
1: well well if people like listen to it it's you have to post through somebody who like who manages the music and then like if if people listen you get money and i'm not trying to get money so i'm donating the money but like That's so cool <laughs> it's great you never know.
0: i love it i look i mean certainly the uh the field is leveled it's a level playing field this part in history right people have access to do cool things people have access to create i had zero radio shows in uh the first week of january of uh 2021 and now i have this show and another show called the professionals and animal lovers show the barrier to entry if you have something you want to talk about i was listening to a thing by gary v gary vayner the other night i listen a lot man i'm always listening to something and i was listening and trying to have my, some of my kids listen and it was like about it's about the content, it's about creating content, it's about making an impact. But with, with Gary had said a long time ago, and it's one of his regular mantras, if you will, it's about if you're passionate about something, some subject matter, some topic, create content around that. That's philanthropy and focus. This show only exists because I like nonprofits a lot. And I was like, I should give them an opportunity to come on and tell their story. So a couple of things I wanna do. I wanna shout out my buddy, Mick Collins, cause we were talking about movies and stuff. He said, X-Men, is about civil rights right I remember that I remember you know the mutants were you know they were fighting for civil rights that's a whole nother discussion but right on Mick it's not just about I'm not sure which the X-Men are is that like um Magneto is that like Mick's gonna beat me up if I don't yeah. know is it the Hulk I'm not big on those movies although because I'm a med fan shout out Mick I know I saw the comment about the Mets but you know Thor was our guy no, Noah Syndergaard so I know Thor he's the guy with the hammer um I'm not really I, I'll tell you this Alex and everybody I used to buy comic books and put them in the plastic and put the cardboard in and put them away and like there's boxes of comic books they're probably not worth anything because I'm not old enough yet and I think people were already starting to collect stuff um but but I would never read comic books I just like to save them because I thought one day I could retire on hustling and selling comic books so Alex, I want to read this background. I want you to fill in the details that I miss and that are missed here. Having survived his own challenges with substances, Alex considers himself living proof that by changing your relationship with struggle, you can build the life you envision. And now he supports others doing the same. In his early twenties, Alex had a promising acting career in Manhattan—that's New York City for you all. While bartending at night uh, at night to get by, I was bartending for many years. His, uh, your your dad passed away. It says here it sent you into a tailspin. I know some of that. Why don't you pick it up from there and let's talk about that?
1: Sure. Um, so uh it it was it was twofold. So I was raised really wealthy, really lucky kid, really lucky kid. We had three homes up and down the east coast. I had a Z four BMW as a college kid in the University of Miami. Like, I mean, it was yes. silly. And um And when I was 23, right after I graduated, my dad died. And on the same day that I gave his eulogy at his funeral, we found out we were tens of millions of dollars in debt. Not because of like anything shady, but just because it was 2020, it was 2009, any assets we did have did this. And also he was sick and trying to keep a business going and putting all of our money into that business. And so... uh, on the same day that I lost my dad, we lost everything. I lost everything that gave me like that context context, and that confidence with which I related to the world. And so I just...
0: Everything, uh, your whole uh, connection, your whole like uh, what how you saw yourself and, and where your place was in life, right? That was now thrown upside down. It was
1: all gone. So like I was just scared and I didn't know what to do. So, and I didn't know how to communicate with anybody. I didn't know who I was anymore. I had so much of my identity wrapped in all of those things. And I started drinking really heavily. I dove into a deep bottle of booze and under a huge mountain of cocaine. And I deteriorated and disappeared more and more and more for four years until uh, finally I got to a point where I was doing two eight balls of cocaine a day and, and balancing that with one to two bottles of vodka or gin per day with no sleep for five days straight So that's 10 eight balls and 10 bottles of booze per like, with no sleep over five days.
0: You were working at the time, you worked in the bar business or just kind of- Kinda.
1: I was living like three blocks from the bar on the Upper West Side. And I just like, I kept calling out. Like when I got to my worst, when I was doing that, that lasted for like four months. And uh, finally the, like my best friend reached out. He always tried to get me to go out and go to movies. And just like, he, he was very light touch. And then finally one day he calls, he's like, let's go to a movie. And I am hiding knives in the couch and in the cabinets just in case, because my paranoia was so high, just in case the government broke in. And I'm looking through my peephole all the time. Oh like, it was just that crazy, right? And um,
0: I mean, you're, in, you're, on a, you're, you're on a, there's one direction you're going at this point. And then, you know, it, it, this is cemetery type stuff. I mean, this is how this ends, right? Unless there's some kind of interaction here.
1: But I wasn't dying. You know, that's, that's what kind of hit me. He, What Zach called, Zach called. he said, let's go to a movie. And I said, I came up with some excuse. And he was like, Alex, why are you doing this? And like, it was the first time anybody kind of put it that way. And I, I came up with some excuse and like, like, I didn't really get it. But it planted this seed of just like, I'm making a choice to do this. Maybe there is a different choice. And it started to like, just awaken me a little bit. And make me realize, like, that maybe there was something I could do about this. Maybe I wasn't stuck. Like, maybe this wasn't my power, right? And it started this very long process of just being more and more aware and peel- peeling off the onion, like, accepting, like, something's wrong, right? And just, like, not even accepting that I have a specific problem with alcohol, but something is wrong. And I should actually explore that. Because I was stuck in <laughs> – I still go to my group. And last night we were talking about we were talking about decision versus ambivalence and we were talking about how when when we're using alcohol and we're using drugs like it's it's such a good way to uh, avoid making decisions and when we're not making conscious decisions we are only existing we're not really living and and so it's uh we talked about how Like being afraid of making decisions, being afraid of making the wrong decision and a failure defining you, which they don't, is keeps us from from doing anything we really want. And it gets us to start using different things to cope with, to forget that we're afraid, to forget that these things. And so you start using alcohol to run away, like often, right? It leads to problem drinking. But then once we're in it, like that's where it gets so interesting. It's just societally for all this time there's so much stigma around the idea of decision versus ambivalence in addiction, right? It's just like why can't you stop? Just stop already.
0: I love but that. I always love that. Why can't you just have a why, why can't you have like a couple of drinks?
1: Right? But always, that's the thing. It's yeah. just like when you're stuck in using, I, I'm I I like ambivalence has taken over. It's not like I'm making this decision. I am, I'm, I'm locked in. I can't. Like, I, I can't make a decision. I can't see that I'm make, not making a decision. I'm not making a decision to keep going and I'm not making a decision to stop. I'm stuck in the cycle of just like, it's, I, it's, need I need more, I need this stop, I need more.
0: It's a, it's, a, it's a habit thing. It's like, I start my day, I do this thing, then I do that thing. I mean, in my case, and I don't talk about it all that much, but you know, I grew up in the bar business from the time I was like 17 years old, 16 actually. And I mean, I was 10 to bar by the time I was 18, a bunch of nights a week. And then, then I went into the sales profession, which was just a different version of that and it was like we'll get through the day and then we'll have happy hour and it was like that was that's habit that's just the you know it's a cycle it's just you not right or wrong i'm oh, definitely wrong actually uh but it's uh try not to be judgmental here but the idea is it was less decision at that point more just habitual right exactly
1: right and like i think a lot of that habit comes from so much fear of facing these things that we are not taught to face yeah, as kids, we're even taught to like not make decisions, you know. Like when we're two, we're making decisions all over the place. Just I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do that. And then parents are just like, ah, he can't keep doing all this stuff. We got to tell him not to do stuff. And then you stop trusting yourself to make decisions and explore, right? And we get in this like societal habit of just like, I don't want to make the wrong decision, right? But really, decisions are not right or wrong, they're just decisions. And we just get so in our heads about like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? Well, decisions can honestly be as simple as chocolate and vanilla. When you actually make a decision, it's just like, do you intellectualize and figure out the circumstances of chocolate or vanilla? Absolutely not. Right? Like, it's just like, what do I want? It's like, oh, it's, I, I like the color and I like this and the smell and it's going to make me feel this way. No, you just choose chocolate or vanilla. Right? And so why do we complicate the other decisions of our lives and so many people on this and even me will just be like because other decisions are more complicated
0: maybe are they i don't know i'm not not sure so you would say no
1: Honestly, uh, I think that we have so much fear and there's so much societal fear about like who we are, how we show up. Are we enough? Are we letting people down? Are we doing are we doing these things? As long as you make a decision with integrity based on the values that you want to show up in this world with, there is no wrong decision because all you do is just like confidence is about making a choice and knowing that you're still going like and not worrying about the outcome. Because that outcome does not define you. What defines you is making a decision based on integrity, right? Because you're going to get it wrong. You're going to get it wrong most of the time. Because it's not about getting it right or wrong. It's about moving forward and making a choice and living.
0: I love that, man. I, you know, it's funny. I'll, I'll just uh <laughs> outcome does not define you you're going to make mistakes it's funny my friend valerie who we host this other show here on the network called the professionals animal lovers show and she used to have a a podcast no video uh she'll tell you that i convinced her to get on this network because and she was totally against it because she didn't want to be on video but the irony of the whole thing is she'd asked me to be on her podcast many many years ago i was like absolutely not and i think i've said it recently on the show I said, absolutely not. I'm not doing that. I don't want to do that. And I'm I've always been sort of this personality outgoing the whole thing. But I was like, I don't want to go on there and say the wrong thing. Now I'm at a point in my life, all these years later, that no, a lot of the time I'm gonna say the wrong thing, and it ain't gonna be right. But if I if I say it with compassion and integrity and love, it's okay to make mistakes, man. It's all good, it's all good. It right, Alex, How
1: we build resilience. Yes. Right. And then it always comes back to just like, how do I show up and make choices and build a habit of acting courageously and develop resilience? Because resilience isn't about getting hard. It's not about becoming concrete. It's about just like it's about compassion. It's about vulnerability. And it's about knowing that when I fall, because I will fall, that I'm still me. I'm still good and getting back up and trying again. That's That's
0: this is awesome i i love all this conversation when we come back we're gonna take a quick break we come back um why don't we show you want to show a video yes i do yeah so let's do that so we'll come back we'll set it up and then we'll just you know if we want to talk for a moment or two before the video then we'll play the video for everybody
1: and And anybody there it's just like anybody listening in and not watching it's it's all audio so it's going to be great just to listen to so don't don't miss it
0: don't worry don't miss it come back either way and then the other idea is when you want to check it out later on for the other videos and stuff, it's ofsubstance.org. We'll be right back. Philanthropy in focus.
2: Howdy. I am Joseph Franklin McElroy, host of the new podcast, Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7. Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc.
3: Are you passionate about the conversation around racism?
0: Fleck, glad to be in focus, top of the house, just below the roof, I'm in my attic, that's the remix, this is the remix, I feel like Funkmaster Flex up here, shout out to Funkmaster Flex, we don't know each other Flex, but I've always listened to Hot 97 since I'm a little kid, uh, so I don't have all the sound effects like Flex has, I do have fans like Funkmaster Flex has, shout out to Mick again, because Mick is telling me, the band Rush said, "If and I know this song too, if you choose not to decide, you still have made a choice mick always coming in with the, the one-liners and that because you know what art teaches us things art tells stories whether it be rush or whether it be the work that i empathize is doing to shine light on this tragedy of uh of human trafficking whether it be the work that of substance is doing to help tell these stories that we've talked about so far so alex before we show the movie the video you want to set it up at all yeah, I, I just wanted to
1: say real quick, just to give people a better idea of what we're doing, right? Like what we're doing at Of Substance is we're revolutionizing behavioral change, emotional growth, and learning through movies, right? And and how we're doing that is we're, we're an innovative nonprofit making premium, entertaining mini movies that like rom-coms to thrillers that are five to 10 minutes, but delivering them in conjunction with programming and curriculums that help people build the habit of acting courageously and- Developing resilience to apply to all the conflicts we face in life, whether that's parenting or overcoming substance abuse or being an entrepreneur. And what we believe is that if people can feel more seen, heard, and loved, and remember that we're already enough, then they can improve the way they face those struggles, those challenges, and those conflicts, right, that we encounter each day. And we're committed to long term, really, what we're trying to do is we're looking to enhance the emotional intelligence of humanity. Right. Because all of that and all of that stems from you and how you feel about you, because our relationships with the world around us, with other people, are contingent upon our relationships with ourselves.
0: Say that again one more time, because we got to under I'd underline that I'd highlight it if I was reading it, I'd put a star on it. I'd fold the page. So say that again for me.
1: Our relationships with ourselves and the world around us are contingent upon our relationships with ourselves.
0: Do the work, gang. Do the work on you. Connect with you. I was watching this. I, I fall asleep to these things. And last night it was, uh, I don't think I mentioned it, but I mentioned in a coffee meeting I had with a friend of mine this morning. Hey, Dan, shout out to you. Thanks for coffee. Um, I, I was talking, I was listening last night to Matthew McConaughey on the Joe Rogan podcast. I, I Now, I don't know. I, I mean... Uh, look, I think McConaughey is such a cool dude, and I think he's even cooler than I thought he was yesterday afternoon, just listening. I There was this keynote he did at a college a bunch of years ago, and that kind of keyed me in. But I was speaking to one of my coaches who I work with, and I, I mentioned this keynote because Tommy's he got a great book out, Greenlight. And so I had an opportunity to listen to him on Rogan. So, uh, you know, through arts, it's not just it's not just a movie it's then there's there's after work to plug into right alex that will Yeah.
1: And that's that's what we're recognizing is that, like, for all of these years, we're trying to use video in education, treatment, and training and support and everything else. But while by trying to make it be everything, by being informative and being entertaining, it's neither really successfully. So instead, let the movie do what the movie does. The movie creates an inescapable emotional experience, which allows us to go through something in real time and feel feel connected get primed vulnerably and then by following that up with information, with lessons, with treatment, with therapy, we're then able to attach what we learn in therapy to the emotional memory and the emotional experience we just went through. They're therapeutic tools that are provocative and captivating and approachable that decrease shame, improve mindset, and help us all overcome our stigmas toward ourselves and each other. So
0: you're changing the world, man, and I appreciate you doing that. Let's show them, let's share with everybody so they get a feel of what we're talking about. I am going to share my screen, we're gonna share the video, and you just give me a Tommy D I can see it. Can you see it?
1: Can you see it? I can see
3: it.
5: You know what I used to do? I actually I used to wear band aids on my fingers. A couple on each hand. Uh and not the regular kind, you know the kind your kids wear. Looney Tunes, Disney shit, Dumbo, Tinkerbell. And it's not that I'd cut myself or anything, I just I wore them so that any time I'd reach for a drink, they would catch my eye and it would remind me of my little girls. Well my daughters are not so little anymore. <laughs> oh God they used to, anytime they cut their knee or anything, they used to get so pissed at me if they had to use the, you know, the boring tan band aids. I started buying the kids' weds in bulk. It was, uh, I guess, a type of training in a way. I had to learn how not to drink. You know, I, I'd see the Band-Aids. I would picture my girls, and I wouldn't take a sip. The Band-Aids, my girls, another day soap. It was classical conditioning, you know, in its simplest form. Except I had to be both Pavlov and the dog. But I had no choice. My girls needed me. They needed me. Two years, I wore those band-aids every single day. And I mean, do you know how many freaking band-aids that is? Until I finally felt comfortable enough to take them off. That was six and a half years ago. And now every time I see my hands, the band-aids, they're already there. And my girls are there reminding me who I do it for. So yeah, like you said, you know, when you see those ads on the sides of buses or wherever they are that say, you know, imagine your life after addiction, I just... I don't know, I, I just I realize how they don't get it. There is no life after addiction. It you guys know it it's always there with you. It never goes away. And the way I describe it to my kids, I say it's kinda like Peter Pan's shadow. It's always trying to trick you, to get you to do things that you shouldn't. I mean sometimes I literally I still to this day I have to stop whatever it is I'm doing and just and that's okay. It's okay to be an addict. I know I'm stronger for it. it forces you to be smarter. To be vigilant, persistent, present. And it's something we'll all have to manage every single day for the rest of our lives. And we can. But no, it never goes away.
0: Wow. I'm supposed to keep it together, right? <clears throat> um, so you know, I, I, you? I could really, well, I, I mean, I, I purposely did not watch that ahead of time because I knew we were going to watch it together today. Um, you know, I didn't think I'd open up like this, um, but I'll tell you, you know, I I stopped drinking when my oldest was 11 months old. And my wife is pregnant, and uh, with my second child, my son. And um, at the time, it was just like it, you know, similar to the gentleman in that video, the movie there. It was just got I got to get to bed before I drink tonight. That was it. It was I got to make it through. It, you know, I, I've I know the program, AA, and the other uh, Anonymous work very very well for hundreds of thousands of millions of people. For me, it just wasn't the way to go. Um, I did it on my own and I just, I I said, that's the deal. I just got to get to bed before I have a drink. It was easy, right? It was easy. It was, the concept was simple. Just don't drink before you go to sleep. Um, I think the band-aids, you you know, the the metaphor, but also the literal nature of this man having these band-aids on his finger, even all these years later, obviously to his point, I could relate to that. I could relate to it only like every day. right alex i mean uh, what what say you sir
1: so um so this is a this is a true story uh from a guy in my group uh who was an executive at one of the top computer companies and he uh this it's not verbatim but it's it's there um, it's very real. And I thought that that was one of the most brilliant things I'd ever heard. And I thought it was beautiful and it was real and it was vulnerable, but also very smart. And uh, I just felt like, why, why do I get to be in this group and hear this thing? I want to bring it to the world for people who also need to hear it in a way that they can hear it differently. And I think that creating this cinematically allows us to not feel um, patronized and talk to at ad- and talk down to, and instead just feel involved and feel connected. And so that's, that's what what we're doing here. But I, I honestly think that like, even at the end, it's just like, none of these stories are right or wrong. You know, that's, that's the biggest thing about these. These are provocative therapeutic tools. Okay. And it's just like, at the end, he's just like, uh, it, it creates persistence. You know, confidence, it creates like it never goes away. And that that moment he has at the end is just like, is he sad? Is he stuck? Is he empowered? I don't know. But that's the thing, is just these pieces are conversation starters that not only start a conversation, but get you the whole point is. The way you just said, I didn't think I was going to get this open and vulnerable today. We show these, we deliver these in a lot of different ways. We we have a program that's just a live program we call Movies and Conversations, where I come in virtually or in person for corporations, for schools, for universities, for treatment centers, for for churches and synagogues. And we just watch a couple of movies and then we talk about them and we facilitate conversations. We have guided conversations where we explore together what's how differently I can see myself and others and what's possible, you know? And so we we do that. But also if you're a therapist or you're in therapy, imagine starting your group or your one-on, one-on-one like group uh, or your one-on-one session with band-aids, right? And it's just like, it helps for people to drop our guard, right? To feel more connected, to get to the point. But while at the same time, it's just like, It's something that's a way to project ourselves. Art is a reflection of ourselves. You get to see another version and another perspective of yourself in these people, in these characters, that's the thing about movies. You see yourself, no matter who you are, whether you're black, white, Asian, whether or I want to female, or not, right? whether,
0: whether I want to or not, right? That's the thing. Like because I'm, I, we, all of us, we're looking for that connection to the movie, right? Uh, if I watch, I don't know why this movie's coming to me right now, but Wall Street, Gordon Gecko, Bud Fox. Where am I? Am I one of those two guys, right? It, where I can't believe that's the movie that. Came out of out of, the, out of the ether, and that's the one I just came up with. But it, it, we project, we put ourselves, and see how does that relate to me? Because isn't is that what we do anyway with human beings, right? How do what we're, we're looking for our common ground, where, which I started this program with. Alex, uh, right. But where's our common ground? So we end up. I, I mean, look, I, I, I didn't finish the thought earlier, but like, I can totally relate to that man. Like, totally relate to that man. Like. I tell you, I shared my story a bit, but I have four children. I don't know that I had, had I not made other decisions, I don't know that I have four children. Just truth, like just real stuff. So when, when we talk about, you know, maybe why somebody needed to stop or why, if you're listening right now, look, uh, there's plenty of opportunities to change and evolve right now. So if I'm staring into the camera, if you're looking, this isn't necessarily what the show is, but maybe it is. You have you have the strength, there's connections you can connect with a substance, you can connect with me and we'll connect you to other resources that you might need. Um, There's opportunity there, but I I say the reason I stopped drinking and the reason I don't drink now are not exactly the same. but i certainly even at at this juncture in my own journey i still have to remind myself why i don't do it a lot like often I do. so anyway wasn't planning on going there today but you know what you know what this show is all about it's about real it's about being real it's about getting real alex you certainly made me get real today uh when we come back from a break we're gonna take one more quick break when we come back this is the part of the show where I, I wanna know what you need, what the organization needs, are there certain relationships? I noticed, as I was mentioning Matthew McConaughey, you kind of nodded and stuff. I don't know if there's connections there. If there, I know you're in Hollywood. I know, I mean, maybe there's, I'm not saying I'm connected to, to Hollywood folks, but I'm certainly connected here in, uh, in the nonprofit sector, specifically in New York, and I know that supports as well. So why don't we take a quick break? It'll give you some time to say, here's what we need, Tommy D. We'll be right back. Some of you might know this, it's always a dream, you know, looking at Ray Coleman's on Family Feud. Uh, Pat Sajak you know, on the the wheel, right? Always wanted to be a game show host, guys. I always did. There was this guy, Mr. Game Show, it was like a, a toy when we were kids. It was like a little, it wasn't really a robot, but it was just like a little statue and he would move. And, he, and it and between that little robot, between those guys I just mentioned, and Guy Smiley from... Uh, Sesame Street, used to do like the man on the street, guy smiley with like a bad suit on. That was like what I wanted to do. So here in the lightning round of the program, Alex, it's a bit of a game show. What do you need? Who can we connect you with? We got about seven minutes or so to dive into it. Tell us about that. Okay, thanks. Hi, everybody. How's it going? So, um, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, he, here's
1: here's what we need. Like always money, right? So we're looking for money. We're looking for partners. And we're looking for collaborators. And what I mean by that is just like we're looking to raise a million dollars in the next year to make six more films. Um, we're looking for we're we're not doing uh small campaigns. Um we it's just uh we're we're looking for higher net worth people who are just like, love what you're doing, we really wanna support, uh, we really wanna be part of, uh, and, and who want to attach their legacy to our impact. So uh, we're, we're looking for those communities who have been touched by mental health, addiction, overdose, um, trauma, who just see what we're doing and really wanna be a part of it and move it forward. So we're, we're really looking, that's what we're looking for in the funding space. But the the coolest thing about what we do is just like, we have eight films on the website. We want you to go check them out. They are, um, you go to the website of substance.org, you make a free members account and you are able to access all of our films. We are we're we're promoting these most to mental health professionals. These are tools for mental health professionals to enhance engagement, deepen absorption and expedite outcomes with the people they serve, their clients and their patients. We're looking to get them into rehabs. We're looking to get them into private practices. We just want people using them. And in there, we are also going to shortly be adding uh, clinical guides and more curriculums to, to help uh professionals facilitate those as best as possible we we're looking for people to sign up we want people using them please let anybody you know in the mental health field know about our films so that they can use them they're there to help um the other thing i i talked earlier about um about movies and conversations our live experience we are doing one for twelve thousand employees of a global um of a global pharmaceutical and mental health company uh, in September, which is fantastic. It's to help people connect with with themselves and others, their beliefs and what's possible at a pharmaceutical company. It's to help their employees feel more connected to the why they're doing everything they're doing every day, while also at other corporations, whether it's financial or, or insurance or whatever, it's still just like, There are so many resources that companies are offering to their employees now to help with mental health struggles, addiction, trauma. However, there's still so much shame and stigma around it. Our programming can come into your company and help people feel more connected, feel less judged, uh, even personally judged and self-judged so that they might take that step. And use those use those tools, so we're looking for companies who want to bring us in, and we can help improve your employees and the way they use their resources. Um, the other thing is we have eight movies. We have two more about to be released and then we have uh, an 11th one that is actually now being supported by mtv and is is actually a horror rom-com about bipolar disorder that's an actual monster movie and it is fun and awesome um but the vision of what we're doing is more films More representation from ethnicity to religion, but also struggles. And so we want to work and collaborate with other organizations, individuals, companies who have a community, have an audience, have somebody specific they're serving, come together and make a film that helps serve your organization, serve your community and the people you serve. We are currently working together with an organization down in Atlanta that serves first responders uh, struggling with addiction, mental health, and trauma. And we have a fundraiser down in Augusta, Georgia in November that's an 80s rock like benefit concert to raise money for the film that we're going to make that's going to specifically focus on uh, first responders. So that's how we're doing this. And we want to work with you. We're looking for friends. So if you have a community, if you're serving a certain audience or demographic, and you think that like working with a substance and making a film to help your demographic would be useful, reach out. We want to hear from you. We want to work with you. We want to meet you.
0: I love it. Thank you, Alex. Well, well positioned. Well done. Let me ask you, I want to know, do you have a date or information about that event in Augusta yet?
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's November 15th. It's called Rock for Hope. Um, And uh, that's what I have right now. Why
0: is it down there? Why Augusta? That's where they're based. Okay, cool. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Awesome. All right. We are, as we do on this show, every time we run out of words, excuse me, We run out of time before we run out of words i never run out of words alex i appreciate you i appreciate this newfound friendship we have i want to figure out a way to get down to to augusta that uh that weekend i'm assuming november 15th is i only have about 75 introductions i want to make for you from what we just talked about what i just heard you say the last three minutes and as i don't talk about on the show very much is we own an employee benefits agency the vanguard insurance agency my partners and i and we're having conversations around eap or uh, employee um oh my god I just f- forgot what Eap just yeah. said. How, how funny is that um you know uh, we have mental health being such a an important conversation right now uh, employee assistance programs um we're having these conversations I see a, a, i see an application for doing this with our clients we'll talk more about that you and I offline as they say next week on the program I want to just shout out my friend Mahin Kaleem. From grant makers for girls of color, Mahin is an incredible leader in the nonprofit sector. Uh, she has an incredible background in social justice. Uh, she served as program officer for the Novo Foundation, where she managed the foundation's work to end commercial sexual exploitation and led to the development of the Life Story Grants, which was a ten million dollar commitment to support projects that shined a light on the tragedy of uh, of sexual trafficking and. She, We met through the the uh, Institute for Nonprofit Practice. If I didn't take that coursework that I told you all about, if I didn't make these connections, I don't have all these special friends. So Maheen will be here next week. Grandmakers for Girls of Color. Alex Kaplan, so jazz. Dylan, thanks for all the work you did behind the scenes. Thank you, brother Alex. Appreciate you, man. Thank you, guys. I mean, thanks for what you did.